gentlemen. We have a special treat for you today. We have the one, the only. Welcome to the State Lines Network. Hey, friends. Welcome once again to the Boldly Going Podcast. Uh, episode 12 here today. I cannot believe that we have made it to episode 12. <clears throat> Thank you to all of you for listening and continue to listen to the Bowling Going Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Sowell. Uh, and I can't, I, like I said, I can't believe we made it to episode 12. Uh, so many great conversations, so many great episodes so far, and this one is no different, and hopefully uh, every episode will be no different than that. There will always be Great conversations with amazing people that are doing great stuff. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to listen. Today, great episode, no different. Uh, Our friends Andre and Timberly Gray, uh, good friends of mine living in Las Vegas, and uh, they are uh, super great. It was a great conversation. They are pastors of a church in Las Vegas called The River. And uh, just a great church. They work with us on our laundry projects with my organization that we do in Las Vegas. And uh, But that's just one thing. That's just one piece of who they are. That's not the totality of who they are. Uh, they're raising a family in Las Vegas. They've been there for a long time. And uh, they also are authors. Uh, they have written a couple of books, one called Living Our Priorities, and then one uh, which I think is really fun called The Game Ledger. And uh, the Game Ledger, if you love to play games, if you love to play board games, family game nights, whatever, uh, card games, uh, this book is great. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of a family way of uh, score, score book, if you will. There's so much to it. Uh, really fun. You should check it out if you, love to, uh, if you love to play games. If you don't love to play games, just go buy the book anyway and give it to somebody who does. Uh, but they are amazing people, and um, there's just so much that they do, so much that I learned from them, great conversation. Uh, church thing is not just the only thing they do. They work in finance and other uh, careers, and uh, that's just a piece of their life that they kind of fell into and uh, are living that out. And it's just a great story, a great, great conversation with them. Uh, this episode is called Walk in Love uh, because they, uh, as they talk about their marriage and different things that they've learned, uh, one of the things that they... Uh, continually talk about is just walking in love, meaning that, uh, which I'll explain a little bit as well, but meaning that uh, as you operate your life, uh, try to do everything you can with love for other people, whether you know them or not, uh, and whether and if you do know them too, especially kind of operate and try to treat them with love and respect as best you can. Uh, really, really cool episode. Excited for you to hear it. And before we jump into it, uh, as always, check out the State Lines podcast network, uh, state-lines.com, so many other podcasts, so many articles, great things there that you'll discover that you should listen to as well and read, and uh, just check them out or go on iTunes and uh, search for the State Lines podcast network. You'll discover the other uh, podcasts as well. Please check those out, and I would love for you to check out my organization, Current Initiatives, uh, that works closely with Andre and Timberly in Las Vegas to bring laundry love to people there uh, through the Laundry Project. So please check out my organization, EngageCurrent.org. Follow us on social media at EngageCurrent. And go check out, please go check out Andre and Timberly Gray's website, LivingOurPriorities.com. LivingOurPriorities.com. Go check that out. They're on social media as uh, at uh, LivingOurPriorities. Check it out. Check out their books. And jump into this episode, listen to them. Going to be a great conversation. Thank you, as always, for listening. And here we go. Andre and Timberly Gray. Hey, Andre. Hey, Timberly. 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 Hey, Andre. Hey, Timber
Come on in, you're fine. Okay. You're on the phone. And now we're going to yogurt land. <laughs> on my own. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. say hey. Hey, everyone. Brandon speaking. <laughs> That's your son, Brandon. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, Andre and Timberly Gray here. Uh, first of all, welcome everybody listening to the podcast, Boldly Going. Here are my friends, Andre and Timberly Gray in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Sitting in your home in Las Vegas. LV. What's well, like NLV, right? Because we're in North Las Vegas. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't get NLV in my. Game you only got two hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so thanks for being on the podcast. I um, conversations. So this podcast is all about talking to people that I feel like are the kind of the subtitle of both the going is creative, brilliant, inspirational people of the universe on planet Earth. Uh oh. And um, you guys, to me, are very inspirational. Uh, I feel like you're people that are that are boldly going, doing doing your thing, and uh, your story is fascinating to me. So I want to hear more about that. I love your books that you're that you're doing. So give a little context of who you guys are. You part one thing that you do in Las Vegas is pastor the River Church, which is a church that works with us on our laundry projects. Absolutely. So um, I guess tell me a little bit about how you guys ended up in Las Vegas because I don't even know that story. Wow, you've been here longer than I've been, babe. So you want to start? Um, I transferred here with work. Um, I used to work for Citibank, and I transferred here um, with work and been here ever since, 22 years. <laughs> Do you lived in Las Vegas for 22 years? Yes. <laughs> yes. I thought I was coming here short term, but that didn't happen. So it's 22 years later, and we're still here. Now we can go. We're kind of vested. Yeah, you're stuck now. <laughs> we're vested. We so vested, yeah. vested. I ended up in Las Vegas... I was in London for four years. Um, I think maybe you've told me that. Yeah, but what were you doing? Yeah, entertainment business, promoting, managing different rap, hip hop groups, R and B groups. Okay. Anyway, um, got here in November '95 because my mother said she had a business opportunity, and she wanted her family close to her. And we came back to Ve- well, we came to Vegas, and I've been here since 1995, November. Whew. Never knew I would be here this long. Wow. Wow. Yeah, been a long time. I feel like any I feel like everybody that lives in Vegas that, that <laughs> didn't grow up here, I feel like everyone goes, Wow. I only intended to come here for a year or two. And right, then, right. That's so interesting because one of our uh, elders who spoke uh, last week, he said he only he ended up oh, here. Oh yeah, he didn't think by he'd default. be here. He didn't think he'd be here either. Yeah. This long, which has been probably twenty years. Yeah. What do you think it is about Vegas that does that? That keeps you here well I don't think it's Vegas okay I think it's just life because (laughs) there's nothing here really to do (laughs) not for families it's not the most family oriented city um but I think um once you're here like I met Andre here and we had a family and um helped start the river Mm -hmm. and now we're pastoring at the river so it's kind of just life evolved and this is where we are um we did mention one time with the kids, like, well, we should move somewhere. And our son, Brandon, said, where are you going to go? You can't leave the church. So it's yeah. just, we're here. So it's we're part here. Of, yeah, it's part of who you are yeah. now. And that that's a, a really fascinating story to me. So let me give some context to everybody. I met you guys, what, four years ago? Mm-hmm. Wow. Something like that? Yeah. It's been that long We now? were just yeah, talking about that, yeah. too, wondering how long it's been. But it's been four years. Some, yeah. Okay, so like four years ago, and... I just I call you guys my Vegas family now. Like you're just oh, my, yeah, it's, <laughs> you're uh, 
I, really, like when I speak in your church, I feel like that's I'm at home because uh, yeah. you know uh, we've kind of grown that way a little bit. But um, so we met four years ago. Ended up meeting at a Starbucks. You guys emailed me. Your sister through her church, right, was involved with um, kind of loosely involved with a laundry mm-hmm. projects, yeah. and um, uh, you guys kind of want to get involved. And the thing that fascinated me was your story about how you became the pastors of the church that you're at. Not ever intending really getting involved in the church, not ever really intending to be pastors, no. and you kind of fell into it. So tell that story a little bit. How you guys ended up there? Well, first and foremost, we we saw ourselves serving. Yeah, I was ushering men's ministry leader. You were, Timothy was uh, women's ministry. ministry leader, and doing some admin work for the river but we always saw ourselves we didn't necessarily see ourselves in ministry but once we were in ministry we definitely saw ourselves serving yeah. for quite a long time yeah. um, I think the devastation of our past losing our pastors kind of just took it to another level where they weren't here anymore and we were faced with the decision of you know what do we do with the church mm-hmm. and the church wasn't necessarily in our hands you know I was on the board along with the other five or six guys the but thing we, was, but we didn't know what to do. More of um, uh, Ed and Lori were our spiritual parents at our former church. Mm-hmm. Um, we met them through men and women's ministry, and they discipled us, um, counseled us, um, kind of walked with us and helped us grow in our spiritual walk. And before they even were going to start the river, we had made a comment one day: um, "If you guys ever start church, take us with you. We want to duplicate what you did for us for other people." Mm-hmm. And then probably. Six to eight months after we made that statement, they confided in us and told us that um, God had spoke to them clearly about starting a church and doing something different, um, that it wouldn't be modeled like most churches, but more from a discipleship perspective to really disciple people and make sure that not one family was left in the cracks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we left our former church to help them start this church and we were like Andre said their servants we just served wherever mm-hmm. we need to serve so if we were you know I was doing bookkeeping if we were um, at the church doing whatever we had to do moving furniture we did it you know leading men and women's ministry we did it whatever we need to do we did it and um, when they passed uh, quite honestly we thought our time of serving yeah, we, had, we had fulfilled over. our obligation. Yeah. We thought we've done what we were supposed to do. And actually, we were thinking about taking a six-month sabbatical, not going to any church and just yeah. regrouping. Um, because when both of them got sick, it actually created a lot more work for us. Because now it was taking over some administrative stuff they were due or filling in for teaching. or It was really difficult. But... Um, in thinking about stepping back, what God reminded us was we didn't go to the river to follow them. We went to the river to follow God and duplicate mm. the discipleship. Doing. Yeah. And so that means whether they're here or not, we still have a calling to duplicate the discipleship. Yeah. And that resonated with us where we're like, we have a responsibility to finish why we came. Yeah. They didn't die with them. We still have to do this. Now, how do we do this? No one knew. You know, we <laughs> didn't. We don't know. <laughs> We're still waiting for. We answers. don't know. Hashtag. We're just, you know, being led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And but the only reason we said yes or could say yes is because um, 
the eight years Ed and Lori discipled us, they're the ones that exposed us to understanding what um, God's priorities are, because mm -hmm. that was the problem in our marriage, and, and, and that's when they started helping us. We didn't understand God's spouse, family, ministry work. Yeah. We didn't understand that, and they helped us walk that out, and we walked that out for a good five to six years before we made the decision to say yes to being pastors. But if yeah. we didn't live that balance of living within God's priorities, there's no way we could have said yes to God and still keep our sanity, sanity. Yeah. raising our kids, being a husband Serving. and wife, working, and keeping that balance of not only taking the responsibility of teaching, but also not wanting to get caught up in the church and the church people and neglect our family. We learned that balance for five or six years yeah. and said, okay, we can do that because we know what it means to live within these boundaries, to yeah. live within these priorities. And that's how living our priorities was. Our blog was developed um, okay. because we decided to turn our journals into a blog and write about our experience of that revelation. Interesting. So, so just like yeah. we couldn't leave Las Vegas Right. We couldn't leave the church. Yeah. And right. all that was sewn into us. Yeah. So that's what really kept us here. Yeah. That's a that's so uh that's so fascinating to me. Um Here's your water. Yeah, go for it. I got coffee, so okay, good. um so yeah, so the they um just kind of explain a little bit, they they both got sick, right? Independently yes. two, like, independently. Um, three years yeah, within yeah, yeah three, like three years, years of each other mm -hmm. died right. yeah um, just tragic and they weren't old they you know yeah. they were relatively um, young yeah and oh, yeah. was like I think 52 50, 52 53 yeah. okay um, and you guys still you still work your own jobs you still have mm -hmm. you know your career outside of that the fascinating thing to me about that I love what you said that you wanted to duplicate you wanted to duplicate what they did for you the discipleship, yes. um, discipleship. to other people yeah and um, it, we were talking earlier about church world and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's a fascinating thing to be about legacy. People thinking about legacy or thinking like, what am I going to leave, you know, one day when I'm gone? If it's whether business, handing it off to a child or whatever the case may be. And everyone, I've since also learned men and women have two different ideas about what that means and what that looks like. Um, but the interesting thing to me in your scenario with, with them is... You, you're kind of you're basically their legacy and they weren't you know they were, they're not famous pastors and you know I think a lot of parent, pastors we, you know, they try to make their name put their name out there put their church name out there and everything but the most real and raw thing that they did the best legacy they did is that they um, they taught you life and they're gone and you are in turn trying to do that for other people the same thing they did for you which is, I think, incredible. Very purposeful. You know, you never know when you're going to go, when you're going to leave. Yeah. When it's your time, tomorrow's not promised. Mm -hmm. And we always think about things we want to do in the future. You know, we do want to leave a legacy for our kids. We want to yeah. leave property to our kids. You know, we want to leave our, you know, make sure our name is, is holds its reputation. Mm -hmm. But you never know when that, when that, when God, when 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 your number's called. You know? Yeah. So every day it should be lived purposefully, you know, where, as I was thinking today, dealing with my, not to get into the vague yeah, situation, no, ahead, yeah. we, won't, we won't fall off 
of that cliff. Yeah. However, you work in banking world. Right, yes, I do, yes. But anyway, as I'm on my way home, I was thinking about uh, just traveling down the road and what I experienced at work. Yeah. And if I were to happen to get into a car accident and not make it home, what would be my legacy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what impact would I have obviously left on my wife and my kids, but what impact did I just leave on the people I just left? Mm. So yeah. I think... What they did, not knowing when their time was up, they got it or used them for us. Mm-hmm. Prepared, yeah. prepared, prepared them to disciple us where we are today and what we're preparing and what we're doing for our church, for our people, yeah. uh, for our kids, for each other. When um, Ed was given two weeks left when we went to the hospital yeah. to meet with them privately, um, I actually, when Ed was first diagnosed with cancer, that week was our first counseling meeting with them, our marriage oh, counseling. Right. Oh, and wow. we yeah. had asked them to counsel once we found out that he was just diagnosed with cancer. But we didn't know, though. They told us, but when they told us that he was just diagnosed, our meeting was already scheduled. We okay. asked to cancel it, and they, they said no, to. because that's exactly what the enemy would want them to do is to stop doing what they've been doing for God because he was diagnosed with cancer. So um, when we saw Ed um, at Summerlin Hospital, I thanked Ed for, you know, the first week he was diagnosed, here they are counseling us about our marriage when he's facing life or death. Yeah. And they took a few hours out for our marriage. Yeah. And then you fast forward it seven, eight years later. And here he is, you know, getting ready to die. And I just told him that I'm just so grateful because he saved our marriage, he saved our life, and now we're both serving in ministry. And that wasn't the direction we were headed then. And he said, um, you and Andre are going to do the same for people, literally in that hospital room. And I said, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are. Like, you know, they just, they knew that they were preparing us for something else. And we just saw it as... um, Thank you for getting us through this day, this month, this year. Right. You know. And I don't think if it hadn't been for them, we probably wouldn't have been married. Yeah. Because yeah. we stayed were, married, rather. Yeah. 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 And I don't think we would have probably stayed in church that long either. Yeah. It was just a different time for us. We were both in the mortgage and real estate business. We were making a lot of money. Everything was about money. Right. And our priorities were way out of line. We yeah. weren't. It wasn't God, spouse, family, right. ministry work. We didn't was, have a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. You know, it was, we were making good money. We, we had the house. We had the cars. We, we were, were saved. Make, but, it, we you know, saved, we were right. saved, but life was good. So there was really no reason to cling on to God. Right. <laughs> Other yeah. than, ooh, you know. Yeah. Give there's favor. For, for continued yeah. favor. Yeah. To continue on. Exactly. But yeah. not, you know, seeking him that, you know, I'm seeking you. You're the very breath, breath of my being. Breath. For yeah. this marriage, for yeah. my life, for our finances. Like, you know, it's easy to believe God for finances when you have Finance. money in the bank, yeah. making six figures. Yeah. But when you come down to $2 and there is no money in the bank and there there is yeah. no credit card and there is no savings, there's no retirement, he becomes the air that you breathe. <laughs> and he became the air that we breathe for everything in our life. Yeah. And um, they walked us through that. In fact, when we, in the real estate business, when we started to lose everything that we had, when the real estate market crashed, we were losing our house, we were going through bankruptcy. It was at the time they were starting the church. And I remember Andre, we went to breakfast because they wanted to know how did we feel, you know, they're walking us through this. And 
And they even said, as our spiritual children, we don't want to see you go through this. And we could just write you a check and get you out of this situation. Right. But that's not what God would, would want, want to us to do because you're not going to learn anything, anything. from it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, <laughs> it pains us to see you do this, but right. there is a purpose in this. Right. And they happened to tell us in a, a fine dining restaurant. It was an, yeah. It was, an, it was uh, we were at, um, uh, no. Chinese um, restaurant or something? Uh, no, it's the, the place downtown in the cellar. Uh, we had to go. Um, yeah, I knew exactly. I can't think of the name of that. Yet. The cellar. Yeah, and it's golden something. Nugget. It's something in cellar. Yeah, yes, I think the wine cellar and the golden nugget. Yeah, thing, right? I've been there. Okay, something yeah. I can't remember. But anyways, yeah. So that was the conversation. I didn't remember it either. So <laughs> yeah, there. There, you there you go. go. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a man. That's really, really interesting. Uh, I love I, I love the terminology too. Them being your spiritual parents or. Um, some people might find that a weird statement Spiritual. to use. Yeah. Or, but it's, it, I mean, it's in a sense, if I could put it in a broader sense, like it's the same thing as having a mentor or a, uh, a you know, someone that, that teaches you about life and raises you and, you know, helps you. It's like we were talking about, I actually, probably the best thing would be for me to understand. I already understand it, but people like me. Uh, the Jedi and the the power oh, right. like you know yeah, yeah, put it in Star Wars kind of the same right. thing because you're kind of parenting you know in that world you know they get this they get this this Jedi learner as a child and they essentially raise them but they're not their actual they're parents, parents. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fascinating that's really really interesting so what did they do for you marriage wise as far as I mean they they said we're not going to bail you out financially we're going to help you walk through it but from a marriage standpoint. What did they do that that brought you past? Well, you can tell that story, babe. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's see here. And she, I think, at that time, called Lori to to intervene in our marriage. At the time, I think our, in our first counseling session, right? Yeah. So I think Lori said to you to write down a list of uh, things you want to discuss. Well, they tell both of us right, to write right, a right, list. Right. Well, I lean towards her and I look at her because she wrote the list. I didn't. Okay. I wrote like three pages. She wrote like three pages. I wrote like maybe a, a half a sentence, a word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's a little... Really? Yeah, I think your paper nothing. was blank. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it was blank. So Ed and Lori came over. Again, they sacrificed their time away from their family to come and save our marriage. And they came over one night, and uh, things weren't going too well in the marriage. and I mean, in the counseling session. So Ed says, hey, let me pull you outside and talk to you. And why wasn't it going well in the conversation? I don't remember. Because everything we were discussing, Andre wasn't getting. So we weren't, <laughs> there was no progress in the conversation <laughs> gotcha. because right. it was, no, I don't do that. No, I don't understand. Well, what was the problem? Like, there was no movement in the conversation. <laughs> I couldn't comprehend. Great. Yeah. I just didn't see what I was doing was wrong because it was A, my family. Right. You know. But anyway, fast-forwarding, Ed asked to step with me outside. So here I am, an African-American man with a tall white guy, and he's asking me to step, step outside. So I'm like, what does this white dude want to step outside? <laughs> you know? And, he's, and the thing about Ed, he was so, he's such a, a brilliant, talented, loving man, that, but he had a twist on, about him, which was he was from New Jersey. Okay. So he pulled me outside, we went to his car, and it's kind of hard to visualize it. Just see if you can visualize this. We're in this car, and it's a Lincoln Town car. 
uh, Lincoln. Uh, no, it was a Chrysler 300. And those are sitting long enough like a, yeah. like a Lincoln town car. Yeah. So he leans over and he puts his hand, his left hand, on the steering wheel and says, Look, bro, you need to check your pride. Hmm? And I'm going, well, <laughs> I need to check my pride. And just that whole scene, that whole feeling, the Lord just humbled me at that precise moment in time. Yeah, and I was touched by that, and that saved our marriage because then he said, "You have to see it from your wife's perspective. You have to put your pride up. You know, mm-hmm. you are the man of your marriage. You're the man of your household, and it all starts and ends with you." And as soon as he said all that, I don't think it fully uh, changed our dynamic that evening because we were still kind of angry with each other, yeah. but it changed our marriage. Yeah. And that was the best thing that could have happened yeah. because we wouldn't have been married after that. But they were really good about, um, they walked us through and it wasn't about, I'm always right or, you know, the times I thought I was always right, I was always like, why is it always me that has to say I'm sorry and I have to be the bigger person? And Lori would say, are you always the bigger person? Are you mm-hmm. always the bigger person? You know, and I'm yeah. like, why do you always have to always be right? <laughs> but um, they walked us through and it, always 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 referred us back to walk in love walk in love if you just walk in love even if he's not doing what he's supposed to do if you just walk in love he has no option yeah but to change and it may not be right now yeah you know and and same thing with um what what we loved about them is there was nothing i would discuss with Lori that Lori didn't discuss with ed because one thing they said that um divides marriages is sometimes the woman is the the one that's more open to counseling mm-hmm. or she'll go to somebody for help yeah and then what happens is that woman is feeding her but nobody is hearing the husband side and nobody's right. feeding into the husband so you yeah. still have this distorted counseling session going on and so they didn't they didn't play none of that so the rules were if i called Lori, whatever i shared with Lori was going to get shared with ed and Ed was going to talk to to Andre unless we were going to go to both of them together and they hear it both from both of us. But it wasn't going to be, I'm a counsel you off of your one side. That's right. not going to happen. Yeah. And so that kept all of our conversations even, and we got told straight. And there were times where you know there were times we would get into it, and he, Andre would say, "I'm going to go call Ed," and I'm like, "Call him. I want to hear what he got to say. Call him." You know? yeah, we, we, we would start fights because if it was if she was acting up, I'd say, "Let's call Ed." If uh, if she, if I was acting up, she'd say, "Let's call Lori." Yeah, you know, and uh, we 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 changed right yeah. after that. Yeah, and and we honestly only probably had three sit down counseling sessions. Yeah, the majority of it were one on one conversations yeah. because we no longer needed. Because we, the difference between us though is we wanted it. Okay. And we, we were willing counsel. to do the work. Yeah. Whatever they asked us to do, we, we did. Right. Okay. We were willing to do the work. So, you know, when people counsel, you know, we've been counseling for years or we've been dealing with this for years and nothing's changed. Well, nothing's changed because you're not willing. You don't want to do the work. Somebody has to lay something down. Sure. And if you're not willing to lay something down, you're always going to be where you are. You're not going to see any change. So if, yeah. if you know, you know, uh, Laura used to say, just because Ed knows how to push my buttons doesn't mean it's okay for me to have a tantrum because he's pushing the button. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. So if you want your marriage to work, somebody has to lay it down. So we got in the habit of laying stuff down, and we got in the habit of nothing was going to come between God, spouse, family, ministry, work. Yeah. Period. 
Period. So it reminds me of what we were talking about earlier, what I said that my friend told me about, you don't always have to win. Oh, right. Right. Which I think is so anti our human nature because we want to we want to win. I think especially as men, I, like like I was telling earlier about comp- competition is mm-hmm. it's a it's a positive in a lot of ways, but it can be a real negative. And yes. in the negative being that no, I have to win. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Like I may, it doesn't matter if I'm wrong. I got to win the fight. Right. You know, um, that's interesting. That's a, that's a good point because I I've seen a lot of people go to counseling and it's probably true. Like they're both still trying to win. Neither one's Stopped and kind of just, yeah. I like that you got all mafia style on you too. Oh, you man, put you in the car. <laughs> Matter of fact, Ed was kind oh, of. Oh, they uh, were was, like that. They were. Ed was up. half Italian. I don't know, but I think it was half Italian. They uh, didn't hold. Grew back. up in New Jersey, streets, didn't hold anything back. Yeah. And uh, Lloyd would say, "Don't let the," or Ed would say, "Don't let the New Jersey come out of me." Right. Yeah. That's hilarious, uh, man. But I think that's what helped because he could relate to me. You know, I was. I'm originally from Cleveland, raised okay. in New York. So you know, I didn't live a street life, but yeah. I associated with a lot of guys. They were in the street life, and my my family in Cleveland kind of were kind of <clears throat> gritty like that. But I understood that dynamic because I had the opportunity to live in that world and live in, you know, outside of that world. And I think he knew how to push my buttons and keep yeah. it real with me. And I think that's why our church is so, you know, our, our, our motto is, you know, real life, real people, real God. And mm-hmm. the real, the realness is what we, what we got from Ed. Because yeah. he was real, authentic, you know, transparent. Right. And I think that's you know kind of parlayed off to me. Yeah. I feel like that's hard in any walk of life, just being authentic and real. And I feel like we have to have a spiritual answer for anything. Yeah. You know, it's not. <clears throat> we ask, "How are you doing?" Not, "Oh, I'm," you know, "blessed and highly favored like you." No, "How yeah. are you doing?" Well, actually. Right. I feel horrible, <laughs> you know, yeah. like we should just be, you know, yeah. we don't have to be a dumping ground. Um, and that's another thing that, that she taught us was even in communicating, in communicating one thing that absolutely. she taught me was, you know, I would mostly voice my frustration mm. and it was, if you're going to communicate about your husband, you need to communicate about him in an honorable way because the person you're communicating them to will now have a distort view of your husband. Mm. So wow. even when I would communicate with her about Andre, I, she would make me stop and start over and explain what I was trying to explain in a way that was respectful to my husband mm. instead of dumping, which then changed the way I communicated, period. I remember when Andre's sister passed, um, she wanted to uh, organize the food for the service. So she said, I need you to send me over at the time, you know, faxes were in. <laughs> she yeah. wasn't hung up on email. She'd asked us, uh, me to send her a fax of the food preferences the family would like. So I'm thinking, okay, let me just jot this down and send it over to her. Right. So she calls me back and she says, now, darling, I know that you're just communicating with me, but whenever you communicate with somebody, you need to have an opening Open and a close. Closing. You don't just send me a fax and list the foods. You need to say, you know, thank wow. you, Lori, for offering to be such a blessing Good to our way. family. These are the foods I think that would be a blessing. Thank you. I love you. She goes, now I want you to retype this and send it back. And I'm thinking to myself, like, seriously, you know, we're grieving right now and you're asking me to do this, but that's how she was. Like, her and Ed, you know. Consistent. They were, you know, um, always the the teachable moments. Yeah. Always find the teachable moment. And, And they taught us that in ministry, that when we saw something in ministry that wasn't right, we had to stop and train up 
our team leader. Team leader. Don't just say, mm -hmm. well, I'll just do it. No, we have to stop and have that, that yeah. teachable moment yeah. for why it's important. And sometimes I would get mad, you know, and say, well, you're not, you're not letting these other leaders do this. And she'd say, I'm not called to disciple them. I'm, I'm called, called to, to disciple, disciple you. you. Mm. So you need to do it right. Yeah. And I would take that as, why are you picking on me? Right. As opposed to, you know, and now looking at back of it, all that they've sewed into us, we're using yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. We're duplicating. Yeah. That's such a great lesson. I, of, uh, cha like changing the way they communicate about the person. Anything. Man, that's a, yeah. yeah, I've never even thought about that. Yeah. Well, cause you think about when women do, and, and the, the reason, um, we were really connected with women's ministry and we called it girl talk uh -huh. that girls say it's just girl talk. Right. And no, it's not oh, girl yeah. talk to the world is gossip. And that's what women are known for. It's yeah. written all over the Bible, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's mostly women that spread, you know, yeah. the gossip yeah. of girl talk. And you're thinking, I'm just venting about my husband, but not realizing the damage you're doing you're in venting yourself. about your husband. Oh, and there's man. a way to talk about, you know, we're really having a challenge. I'm sure maybe I didn't do something right in this, you know, um, I'm trying to see it from his perspective, but I really yeah. need help in this area. Not, I can't believe what he did. And that's really how it comes yeah. out. I yeah. can't believe what he did. And, you Man. know, now they're like, oh, uh -uh, I wouldn't be putting up with that. Yeah. Right. Call oh, man. How many, you know, what's crazy? Like, so how many scenarios, I'm just thinking about movies that I've seen, like how many scenarios. <laughs> Where that's seen, happened. Of course. Yeah, you see that thing. And they're all mad at that one guy, you know, right. all the friends, because, which, I, right. you know, I get it. You're defending your friend and all that kind of stuff. But you kick the door open for, for them to have that view right. of them. And they'll always have that view. And the other thing, too, was um, to never go to family about your spouse. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because, first of all, you're their family. So... They're yeah. going to side with you regardless. Right. You could be wrong, and they're going to side with you because uh, yeah, that's they're true. your family. So to never go to your family about your spouse, um, which is why it is so important that we have somebody within the body of Christ that we can go to as a mentor or as a prayer partner, my sister in Christ, the person yeah. that's going to pray with me in the war room, um, and know that it's not going to be judged yeah. You know, but it's, it's you know, just going to pray and, and stand with them. And when you have that one person, you don't need to vent to a bunch of people. And and yeah. actually, over time, the phone calls got less. Mm. We didn't, I wasn't, now our relationship developed to where um, our relationship, so our marriage, it wasn't it was about our marriage. Growth. Now it was about ministry because right. now we were growing right. and now yeah. we were doing ministry before our relationship was a lot of hand-holding about our marriage Yeah, and how to be uh, a wife and a husband. And right. Something Ed yeah. would always ask when I'd call and vent to him is, you know, did you share with your wife? Did you pray with your wife? What does she think about this situation? Mm. Have you discussed this with her? You know, if I'm making any decisions or... or um, Anything that we weren't just, we weren't in agreeable with, you know, yeah. after I would vent to him. Yeah. How, how, how does your wife feel about this? You know, he would never, ever direct me anywhere else but back to my wife. Mm. Of course, God always, but yeah. in the natural, it was all my, always, my, always my wife. Man. Wow. They, yeah, so it does sound like your relationship with them really was like a parenting relationship. Oh, absolutely. Over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maturity. They were older than us. They were mature than us. They experienced it, you know, seven kids, nine kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they've been through, uh, they went through and been through a lot. 
you know, in ministry yeah. and in life. Yeah. Well, we saw them, their love walk in their marriage, which mm-hmm. is why I met Lori in women's ministry, which is why I went to her for help in our marriage. Because yeah. I said, um, we're having some problems, and before we call it quits, yeah. I'm just reaching out for some help. And said that um, I really was looking for someone to mentor me to be a wife and the mother that I know I'm supposed to be, but I don't know what that looks like. And I've been in church my whole life. Yeah. But I can't tell you I've seen somebody walk that out and not be religious and then live differently. Like, I've never seen that. And if this is the real deal, then I need someone to show me how to do this because I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, they made it tangible for us. That's awesome. Yeah, so I was actually going to ask you because you what you mentioned earlier about like walking in love and for the for the maybe non-christian that's listening kind of explain that statement a little bit like what that means to between the two of you or in your marriage like you might be the one that's right but how walking in love with that person what does that mean for you well you might um what it meant for me Mm -hmm. Was um, literally putting my hangups aside, you know, whatever I felt towards Timberly, mm-hmm. uh, and laying that down. Um, how do I make that real? Um, just sacri- making some sacrifices. Yeah. Um, right, making yeah. sacrifices. How else would you explain that? Um, we like to to see it as um, love believes pretty much. Right. 1 Corinthians 13, yeah. uh, 4 through 8. I was trying not to get scripture. Right, but... <laughs> that's what I was studying. I was like, okay. Right, but, that's, but, really, what, but that's what it is. So we can explain it from what scripture says is yeah. believing the best of every person, yeah. not insisting on your own way, yeah. not counting right from wrong, right. you know, the, the wrongs that are done to you. Yeah. Um, and if we think about, I'm not going to do this for this person because they did this to me, mm-hmm. then we're counting the wrongs. Yeah. So if love believes the best and if love never fails, then in order for love to never fail, I have to practice love. Well, the only way to practice love is to not count the wrongs, not always demand to be right, believe the best of, believe every, the best of every person, which means, uh, okay, so for instance. So for instance, I was in the broker world, mortgage. Okay. I made my first $7,000 plus check. I had just been married. We had just been married for what a year, and maybe not year, year and a half, two years, maybe no, not that long. Probably. No, I didn't smoke rice. Yeah. A couple of years. Right? No, I'm saying we were probably. It was probably earlier than okay, that. Okay, earlier than that. There okay. go. Anyway, the point is, trusting. You know, I I made a seven thousand dollar check. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to bring the check home because I didn't beyond not knowing or, or, or trusting Timberly. Um, I was insecure. Plus, I couldn't, you know, trust this woman mm. who was newly, you know, my wife in a very new... Was still bringing in his old right, right, into right, the right. marriage. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. trying to say. This exactly. is mine. Okay. So, I don't know what to, you so, know. Right, so right. trusting the situation, trusting our marriage, I was able to bring home the check. Yeah. Put it over in her hands and let her disseminate it the, the way she saw fit. Yeah. You know, and then what did that do for me? It brought me peace. Uh, it, it built my trust. Yeah. Um, and she did right by the money. So this wasn't, I was looking at her, not necessarily as an enemy, yeah. of course, but someone I, I couldn't trust. Yeah. And I think that would best describe it for me because that's when I said, when I can give my money to someone 
the next love <laughs> in my world yeah. at that time in my life. Yeah. And doing that and turning it over to her yeah. taught me the first step of loving her and accepting her and trusting her. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. And makes for sense. for me, I felt like I would forgive every time he would do something. I would be frustrated, and so what Lori walked me through was love doesn't give up. So just because it's been the hundredth time, mm. love doesn't give up. Yeah, and he could mess up again tomorrow, but you're still gonna love and mm. not give up. Well, when I started right. to do that. Once she opened my eyes to that and I started to do that, I started to see Andre change because of my consistent love walk no matter what. And that does not mean that he didn't hurt my feelings or something didn't happen, but I had to choose to love instead of being resentful and and saying, well, I'm not going to do this. I remember reading... You chose to see me in another perspective. Yes. And, well, yeah. and, and the thing is, is that, um, and what we've we've uh, counseled married couples since, and have mm-hmm. told married couples, we've given them assignments to read First Corinthians thirteen for thirty days every okay. day for thirty days. Yeah, in when the you, message translation. In the message okay. translation, because the message is kind of more hip and modern yeah, verbiage, and, and kind of throws it in your language, face. Conversational yeah. language. Yeah. yeah. And um, we've we've if you read that every day for thirty days, then you're conscious about love does not do these things right you won't do these things right so when they're happening you'll just purpose not to do them so one time i, re- I remember reading um the power of a praying wife because i was thinking i was going to pray to change andre mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. my my thinking yeah lord please change my wife <laughs> well actually the prayer on page 32 <laughs> says nothing in me wants to pray for this man <laughs> which is what i was praying <laughs> <laughs> wants to pray for this man but lord just just help us out but um in reading that book it wasn't about being a praying wife to change your husband it was about being a praying wife to understand to change yourself and when you worked on you your husband would naturally change yeah and i was like dang that's not why I bought this book because I thought it was I was going to pray these miraculous prayers over my husband and he was going to change and it was about changing my heart yeah and um literally about two weeks later I saw him reading The Power of a Praying Husband I didn't tell him to go get that book he did but he just yeah went and did it himself which means that if you just love Love never right. fails. Ed, Ed didn't mm-hmm. tell me to get the book. Lori didn't tell me to get the book. I, what, what changed me is because she started reading the book. And you know when your wife starts doing certain... Well, when your wife starts doing certain... I mean, certain, I don't know yet. You don't know yet, but you'll soon <laughs> know. When your wife starts doing stuff, you feel convicted. Yeah. God starts to convict your heart. Yeah. And I think by me seeing her, I got up every day, probably until I finished the book, from start to finish every day about 5 o'clock, yeah. and sat in the uh, dining room and read the book all the way through. That's amazing. So just somebody has to say, I'm... I choose yeah. to love. I'll, I'll put it down. I don't have to I'll win. I'll put it down. I don't have to win. You know, love says, you know, just because of your political views, I can still love you. Yeah. You know, I may not like who you are. Matter of fact, I don't like who you are, but yeah. I love you. Yeah. I'm called to love you. I'm not called to like you. I'm called to yeah. love you. And I'll start with right where you are. Yeah. And it goes, the love walk is beyond your marriage. And we can... Yeah, yeah. We talk all night we about can, that. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it goes beyond... So, a guy, a good friend of mine, Russell, who is the podcast that just came out. He 
he was in that. He runs um, uh, organization called Urban Urban Young Life. Um, great guy. One of the I've learned so much from this guy. But on his podcast, he he made the statement. We were talking about race issues and just racial stuff that he's he's gone through and had to deal with and stuff. And I he said something and I and the way that he responded and the story that he was telling me and I said and I was like, man, so how do you so how do you change that? And he goes, he just very matter of fact, he said, you can't fight love. And I thought, mm. oh, it's so yeah. I mean, you can. There's no, there really is no fight against love. Someone that's that's unconditionally loving you and forgiving you, and eventually, you what side, whatever side you're yeah. on, eventually you you mm-hmm. that's you gonna in. change you. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna give in. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. amazing. Wow. So all of that led uh, to you said you took your journals, turned it into which is a blog for you guys and uh, a, just a kind of I think a whole theme to your life of. <laughs> Um, living your priorities Mm -hmm. and out of that you just like these are our priorities this is how we live them so explain that a little bit and talk yeah we um, during the time that we were just um, losing everything it seemed like once we got our marriage together and we started um, developing a personal relationship with God, mm-hmm. everything else in our life started falling apart. Yeah. Andre's sister got sick and passed away. A year later, um, his brother was murdered. Our business tanked. We lost our house. We lost. We used all of our retirement Saving. savings to try to save the house, only to lose the house. Um, we wow. had some health issues, and um, it just went the wrong direction too fast. <laughs> and um, But... Each of those challenges, we were able to deal with each of them a little easier because we had already started living within the priorities of God. And the reason we call our blog Living Our Priorities because God's priorities became our priorities. Okay. And one day, um, praying and seeking God, asking, how long is this going to be? I mean, we've been in this for a long time, and why does this keep happening? And I remember so clearly praying that he said, quit asking why and watch how I'm going to bring you through this. And we started journaling it. So we have been journaling for about eight years. And it was about a year ago where we decided, um, we ne- we thought one day our journals would become a book. Yeah. Um, because we have testimony after testimony of God showing himself. Just miraculously showing himself when we had zero. Nothing. Just, Nothing. just in miraculous ways. And we have it all documented. And... Um, one day that it just was placed on our heart people have said you guys should have a blog or you should write a book and people need to hear this and Mm -hmm. one day we just decided um to turn our journals into a blog and we just share pages of our journals on our blog and hopes to inspire other people to live god's priorities where they become their priorities yeah um and so we we wrote a book embracing god's priorities explaining why the, the order is in the order that it is. Okay. Why is it God, spouse, family, ministry, work? And we make that available for free as an ebook on our website so that we don't have to explain that in every single blog. Right. For why is it this order? Okay. Um, and every blog is pretty much an experience, um, an a encouragement, challenge, a challenge, or something that we went through over the last eight years in different areas how God showed himself by us just 
Submitting. In tangible ways, though. Yeah. yeah. Nothing spooky, nothing spiritual. Yeah. Nothing like, you know, some network marketing scheme yeah. where, you know, you just never know the top guy how he really made his money. Right. Or do you even know him? You know, mm-hmm. we talk about things that, um, you know, being broke, not having gas money and having, you know, just go to our mailbox and there's money. Go to, you know, just pray and someone offer us money and just, just, the list goes on and on and on. Just how he showed himself in our everyday life. Yeah. Um, just o- the only way, only way it could be orchestrated was by God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where we just totally had no control, no say so, didn't understand. Yeah. Didn't know the why. Yeah. We were, um, we were kind of overwhelmed when we saw we had readers from like Nigeria and Africa and um, England and Switzerland and all these places. And we thought, um, we counsel people, we counsel within our church and even people outside of our church and encourage them to take the love challenge to read First mm-hmm. Corinthians 13 for 30 days. Yeah. Um, but we can affect more people on our blog than we could one-on-one. And so just who knew that God would open that, the World Wide Web, yeah. <laughs> where we could reach and share our testimony and encourage others to live within the priorities of God and, and hopefully save a marriage or a family or somebody who's about to get married right. to understand, you know, in, in the book we talk about as a single, why it's important to understand these priorities because when you get married, you're not going to all of a sudden have your spouse in the right order if you don't yeah. live with God first, yeah. you know? So um, I think one of the most um, personal stories we've shared um is about a pair of um, ballet tights um, that we couldn't afford. Our daughter daughter. was in ballet. And, you know, we were struggling because we were starting to lose everything, but we kept her in ballet, kind of like we don't want the kids to really feel what we're going through, you know? So we kept her in ballet, and um, they had dress rehearsal for a recital. And so Trinity had a little um, hole in her tights, and so I thought, well, to buy another pair of tights was $10. Um, but we also wanted to buy her a bouquet of flowers. So when she got done with the recital, we could we give her the flowers. Okay. So my thinking was, I only have $10. So I either buy the tights or I could buy the flowers. And we'll just put a little nail polish on the tights. <laughs> and the hole won't spread. And... She'll just wear the tights. Yeah. So to make the tights last for the rehearse for the actual event, I'ma let her wear socks to dress rehearsal. Okay. Because my thinking was if she's pulling them up and down, it's gonna make the hole bigger. Right. So we're we're sitting in dress rehearsal and just all the moms are in there and all of a sudden um the owner of the studio gets on the microphone and goes Trinity's mom. Trinity's mom. On the mic. On the mic. In front of everybody. Okay, my daughter is on the stage with with everybody. And Trinity was like five years old. So imagine a five-year-old on the stage. Yeah. She's wearing socks, and she should not be wearing socks. The tights are only $10. You need to go get those $10 tights and make sure she's back here with those tights. And I'm sitting there, like, shrinking in my chair. And Trinity is up there crying. And so there's a mom sitting next to me and I'm just like oh my gosh and so we go to meet them when they get off stage Trinity comes right up to me crying mommy mommy I'm not supposed to be wearing socks now I'm crying because I'm like how do you tell your daughter well I couldn't afford you know 
to get you the tights, you know? And so I'm in the dressing room with her trying to change her back into her clothes. And I was so upset I couldn't even speak. And so the mom that I was with, her name was Alicia. She was like, I'm treating you to lunch. Let's just go to lunch. I was like, that was so humiliating. Like, I cannot believe that she did this. You embarrassed this, you know, five-year-old. And, you know, and she doesn't even know our financial situation. And so anyway, so we go to lunch. And um, needless to say, I didn't sign Trinity back up for ballet because I thought we're not coming back to that studio we can't afford it anyway so we're just not going and um every time I would drive past the studio I would get angry yeah I would have these feelings like I cannot believe that woman did this I would get angry and one day we drove past studio and Trinity said mom when are we going back and I was like, I don't know. In the back of my head, I was like, you ain't ever going back to that place. <laughs> and so one day I just decided it's not good. Even if they don't see the anger, it's yeah. not good for me to have so much anger. So yeah. I thought um, another thing that, that Lori taught me was don't when you say nothing, you don't fix the problem. All you do is suppress it, and then it eventually comes yeah. out somewhere. Yeah. So you have to deal with the problem at some point. So I decided to pick up the phone and actually call the yeah. owner mm. and and express how I felt about that incident. Well, I left messages. She never called back. She was busy. Her assistant called, which, you know, again, was the reason I was frustrated. I wanted to deal with the owner. But the assistant, I explained to her what happened, and I said, I just want you to know, just for the future, so you could relay this back to the owner that you never know what a family is going through. And yeah. to do that, to humiliate a kid or a parent, you never know what they're going through. And I said, you know, my husband and I are in the mortgage business. Business is not well. We couldn't afford it. I have the tights for the, you know, so I was explaining what happened. And so anyway, so she, you know, apologized, said, I'll talk to the owner. Well, 30 minutes later, she called back. The owner was apologetic, decided to sponsor Trinity for a whole year of ballet mm. where we didn't have to pay for her mm. to take the classes. We didn't have to pay for anything. And um, so I called the mom that was with me to share that story yeah. because she was with me and took me to lunch. Yeah. And um, she said, you know, I am so happy for you. And the next day she says, now Trinity's going to need another leotard, you know, for the next class. I want you to come by and pick one up. And I was like, well, I can get that anytime. And she kept pressing like, no, I want you to get it today. Yeah. You need to come get it today. So I was like, okay. And I was thinking to myself, I really can't afford to come get it today because I don't have gas. But I wasn't telling her that, you know. Yeah. And um, so, you so went. I went, and at the door, she had a bag with the, the leotard, but a card. Right. And inside the card was $200 cash that says we are encouraged by each other's faith. Mm. And she thanked me wow. for sharing it with her. Not just sharing that day, day but, but yeah. to call her Experience. back later and say, this is what, right. you know, how I called yeah. and dealt with the owner and mm-hmm. this is what happened. And then here she blessed us with, you know, $200. And at the time for us, that was gold that was because, you know, I barely had gas to get to her. Right. So I was yeah. like, well, praise God. Now I can get gas and get back home. Yeah. <laughs> and our daughter's back in ballet where she wanted to be. Yeah. And she was, yeah, back where she wanted to be. So it was things like that, that yeah. we have so many stories like that written in our journal of us seeing God. There's, right, there's hope. That there's, there's hope when yeah. you think, when you no think it can't get any worse than this. What's fascinating to me, too, about that story, uh, part of that story being she not understanding your situation, but also 
not understanding the owner situation of why maybe she acted that way to begin with. Mm -hmm. But until you're talking to her, like that, that dynamic changing. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is just the boldness of, you know what, I just have to deal with this and not allow, if every time I drive past, I get this feeling then I need to deal with that. Right. In a loving way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. not storming in there, kicking the right. door, cussing, <laughs> cussing the person out. Right. Um, yeah, that's man, that's amazing. That's that's wow. I cannot, I can't even imagine being the person sitting there, going, I don't have ten dollars to. Like I've been there, but having that pointed out so blatantly, uh, man. And, and uh, also, it'd probably help the owner to you know maybe be thoughtful. And consider yeah. it to other mothers if they run into that situation. Maybe yeah. pull, up, pull, I'm pull the mother off the stage or, off, you know, yeah. speak to the mother away from the kids. Yeah. Or the, or the daughter. And right. And say, hey, this is what's going on. Can we talk? You know, this is what I can do for you. Or mm-hmm. You need help. Right. You know? Yeah. And the nice thing about that story is the day that it happened, of course, I came home. I wrote in our journal just how I was feeling. Yeah. And had wrote that... I expected to see God do double for our trouble. Yeah. For our shame. Yeah. And then just a few months later, it was so nice that I wrote it because mm-hmm. a few months later when this happened and we wrote it in our journal, we could go back to the very page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here he gave us more than double for yeah. our shame. Yeah. You know, for those $10 tights, we end up with a $200 cash busing plus a year of her going to ballet school that cost right. us nothing. Yeah. I'm impressed you didn't you didn't beat the person up right, that lady up right there. That be walking in love. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I mean. Like that's the and and that's and that's the real walking in love that's because the real, we could have yeah. we could have actually went back together and made a case, you know. Sure. And yeah. and be and it was it had some validity to it, but uh, you know we didn't. Yeah. When we counsel people, when we tell them, and they go, you don't understand when we say, just walk in love. And that's hard. And, and no, we're telling you to walk in love because we've done it. Right, well, yeah. Walk in we, love and hear the steps walk, to walk, walk in, love. in love. Right. Well, and that, I think that even if you take that out of a spiritual context, which is obviously where it's fueled from, but if you right. even take that out of a spiritual context of just someone treating you badly or the person at work that gossips about you or whatever Show them the thing another is. Way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, show them a different way. Like, not being that reactionary and, oh, I'm going to get even with that person. Right. But, love it. You know, if that, you know, that, the old adage of like, well, I, you know, if that person on fire, I wouldn't, I wouldn't urinate on them kind of thing. Like, well, yeah, put them out. You know, like, despite what they did to you, still being loving to that person. And, yeah, that is, that is hard. Yeah, it is very it's hard. It's very doable, but hard. Yeah. Yeah, very doable. Yeah, and sometimes we as Christians spiritualize our revenge and we say, oh, it's a righteous anger. Yeah. But it's still anger. Yeah. Yeah, it's still about us. It's still about us winning. Not right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So you wrote that book and then, uh, I know. Yeah, we're going to talk about that book too, though. We're just going to talk about winning. Talk about winning. so, um, that, so you wrote that book, and um, uh, I think it's awesome because you're right. I think balance is a key to every to a lot of things in life, and if 
priorities are out of balance in whatever context you put them in, it, things aren't going to function properly. You know, one thing we learned about ministry is sometimes um, when people get frustrated with serving, mm-hmm. um, something's not in order at home. It's something your priorities are out of order. Yeah. So we learned that. Ed and Lori walked us through that. Because when we when things weren't good at home, we come up with excuses for why we couldn't serve. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or why we were frustrated with, you know, well, this person didn't show up on time. And then it's like, you know what? What's going on? Yeah. Because it's not church. It's something else is out of order. And, yeah. and here. And so <clears throat> what, what they when they walked us through that, that... If everything was good at home, if you left home peaceful, then you can come in here and give God all that you have and be available to bless whoever God places before you. But when you come in with that junk because you didn't do this over here, then that, you know, affects the spirit of God from moving. And so it's not usually we're not frustrated with church or ministry. We're frustrated because something else is out of balance. Right. Yeah. When everybody's priority is different, it's not always God's boss, family, ministry, work. It could be work, you know, it could be spouse, it could be the kids, you know. Yeah. If you don't have them in the proper order. I know Ed used to always say, you know, we all we all have a choice to do what we want to do, but are we doing what God tells us? Are we doing what God tells us to do? Yeah. You know, we can all, what's the saying? It's, uh, what did I tell you? He told me, he said, um, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Uh, we all you can do what you want to do, do, but are you doing what you know to do? Right, exactly. Mm. We can all do whatever we want to yeah. do. Yeah. Like I was yeah. talking about getting an extra job, you know, right. we needed the finances. He said, but is God telling you to do that? You know, we, yeah. I mean, it would be easy for you to get another job, but, but is that is that is that what God is calling you to do? Is that what you know to do? You right. Know? Have you been praying about this? You know, have you loved your wife when you got up this morning? You know, how yeah. are you at, with your, your children? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they, were you at in your, yeah. your, your job? You know, where were your priorities? Because right. he always said if his priorities weren't lined up, there was always something going down at home um, with his finances. But when he lined up his priorities, it was much more peaceful at home, yeah. in his life, with his family, at his job, yeah. at men, yeah. in ministry. They were, uh, um, they have seven kids, and um, Ed was self-employed, but okay. never worked crazy hours. So yeah. again, another and Friday was a half day. Ha- no Friday day. was a half day. Or so no day. they're supporting a family no of nine. Day. Yeah, and had a schedule better than ours, and also served in ministry. And she homeschooled all her kids. So we're looking at this like there has to be something to living within priority. the priorities of God. Yeah. If you can do all these things and not work yourself to death where you have time to be at church, you have time to serve, you have time to come meet with us when you just get diagnosed right. with cancer, right. you have time to take off of work and not be concerned about your finance. There has to be something to walking this Bible out that we say we believe, um, and we want to know what that is because... Because they walked it out. The way we were living yeah, it wasn't perfect. working out. <laughs> they weren't perfect at all, but they walked it out as best as they could. It yeah. affected a lot of people, especially yeah. us. And even watching them pass... They walked out, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. We got to witness that yeah, and see that, to see what that means, to really walk that path right, and not be afraid and still serve God to the bitter end. Yeah. Wow. Man. It's, a, it's amazing. That's our story. So the other thing I want to know about is the book that you have in front of you, the Game Ledger, because you were yes. telling me about it earlier. Yeah. I want to hear that story. I told you to save it for the podcast because 
So, board games, because you asked me, do we play card games right. or, board game, or board games, games or whatever? And I, I said, uh, yeah, we play it once in a while. And right. um, so you have, you've made a book called The Game Ledger. Yes. Game Ledger. Which, as best I can tell, it's family game ledger. Yeah. So it's best I can tell, it's keeping track of how you crushed everyone else. <laughs> keeping track, and not only keeping track, commentary. Uh, how the you, running commentary. You, the running, exactly, on, on yeah. how you, you whoop somebody in playing spades, uh, uno, yeah. checkers, yeah. Um, dominoes, scrabble. So uh, tell the story behind story it. Behind tell, it. Yeah, tell me Ooh. the story behind it. Right. The story behind because it. Because this is one place where you can always win, right? Exactly. In the, in, in the game. In the game. Yeah. Yes. Right. Somebody's going to win. It's, uh, we did share this in a blog. It's called The Game Ledger. Good. And The Game Ledger was created because the times we were losing everything, we didn't have any money to do anything. Okay. So we were, wow. um, we were look, trying to find creative ways to... Um, we started it in 2006. 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We okay. were trying to find creative ways to, for family entertainment that cost yeah. us nothing. Fun. Right. And at the time, my brother also was an engineer here in Las Vegas, and he also yeah, lost his right. job. And they lived around the corner from us. So we would get together a lot and just play games. So we decided this is, this is the original, the OG, right. the OG. Uh, game letter. Yeah. It's just a composition book. What they book. can't see is that composition book. The composition book, book yes. And uh, three of us live here. Three of our, our my siblings um the, the Burgess, Burgess, the Grays, and, and the Phillips. Phillips. So we okay. wrote that. Now, this was the original. So okay. we would just keep score whenever we would get together and play games and just keep score. We'd write commentary on it. We'd talk about each other. Well, we only, because we could only afford one composition book. Oh, <laughs> so, so what we did. traveling composition book. We, it was okay. traveling. And it stayed but whoever lost. Else. It right. stayed at their house. Right. Well, unfortunately for us, right. <laughs> we, we not only lost our finances, oh, we were losing we games, and we created the game ledger. Uh, we were losing, you know, and it, you Scrabble. know, you know, That's they like would the say, "That kicked me when I'm down." Oh, like, oh yeah, you know, um, yeah, my brother would date. would write. He would dates. say, "You know, look, look at see." So right. it's still July, July 2006. Says losers again. Of course, that's in my brother's writing because he we were, wanted to make we it known. Playing, what were we playing? Spades. Yeah, we were playing spades. Yeah. So, anyways, um, so this was just something that that we did. Well, but, but we made it fun. So yeah. you have cake and or, yeah. or ice cream and. Oh the look, kids the kids play. got involved. Look at yeah. this. Trinity wrote, "Daddy won, and that's wrong." <laughs> So, I mean, literally, this is, see, this is in 2009. This is literally a family keepsake of yeah. just, and if we played Scrabble, we would put the Scrabble game piece, we would yeah. just staple it inside. And so anyway, so one year for Christmas, we were trying to think of gifts for the family. Right. And because we didn't have any money, we bought, we could afford composition books. Yeah. So we bought composition books and we wrote their family name on the front and yeah. then got them a deck of cards, and that was their Christmas gift. Okay, and with their family initial. With their with their last fam- name initial. Their uh, right. family, family initial yeah. was on the the deck of cards. Right. That was their Christmas gift from us because that was all that we could afford. Yeah. But everybody loved it because we've all been using the game ledger. Right. For it became a family thing. Right. Whenever we get together, they finally got their own. Every now every family right. so because what would happen was we would go to the Phillips's house and we wouldn't have the ledger because it was at our house. So it was, we're playing a game, but there was no game ledger. Yeah. So now there was a ledger. No matter whose house we went, everybody yeah. had a game ledger. So we were going to write about it in a blog. And before we wrote it, we were like, wait a minute. We can't write about this without producing it because somebody will take our idea. Right. So before we wrote the blog, 
we went ahead and copy wrote it and yeah. produce it and then when we wrote the blog and explained how it came about out of our horrible situation yeah. it came about we now have it available for sale yeah. on our website that is amazing the game I... ledger and it's literally a keepsake and when yeah. you play a game the family will say get the ledger that's so right, cool so you'll notice on the fourth paragraph it says when you look through the game ledger months and years later those those comments will bring you back will bring back memories, joy, laughter, and some in some cases tears. We are confident confident that the game ledger will become a family keepsake, so much so that the next time you get ready to play the game, it will be customary for the members of the family to say get the game ledger. I love it. That's amazing. I again, like <laughs> it's so creative. Um, just the fact that you could barely afford a composition book to begin with and trying to find what can we do as a family and but like because I think most people at some point they would just uh, we might as well just give it up now because it's like everything's falling apart and wallowing in that um, but you were still it's so cool to me that you were still looking for like, how do we keep ourselves entertained how do we keep our kids entertained even though we don't have any money and this is what became of it. The common thread, I think, here is is we connected. Um, you know, we met each other. We got married. We fell in love. We've been together ever since. But the common thread is God. It's, it's finding peace in all this. Yeah. All our turmoil. It's no different from anyone else. You know. Yeah. Everyone goes through something. Every family goes through something. But with us, I think the foundation or the common thread is God. You know, having that peace that surpasses all understanding is what kept us together because I think without the peace, you know, I know me personally when I lost my sister and I lost my brother, if I didn't have peace in my home with my wife yeah. and, and be at a place of, of comfort with my church, you know, I, I don't know where I would be, you know. And if you look at our life, you know, we, we connected, we got together, we got married, we developed a family, you know, we worked on our marriage, we were discipled, um, you know, then came peace in all the midst of this turmoil. And that's where we, that's how we made it through. You yeah. Know? And the so biggest we, things that have stuck with us is going through all those things. Like when we lost our house and we downsized, we remember our brother-in-law saying, you guys don't look like a family who just lost everything. Yeah. Mm. Um, people didn't know unless we told them, yeah. didn't know that we were struggling or what we've been through. Um, and or what that's, we're going through. That, or what we're going through. And that's the testimony in it is that we don't have to just because we're Christian doesn't mean we don't bad things don't happen right. but the difference between us and the world is that when we go through hard times we can have peace and not look like we're going through hard times it's not about yeah. us faking the funk and you know acting like it's all peachy king and behind right. the scenes it's different but it's about walking out what we know yeah so we talk a lot about joy is about what we know, not how we feel. I might feel crappy and have a crappy day, but yeah. I know that the peace of God surpasses all understanding. So because of that, then I can have a smile on my face, regardless of what's happening Amen. behind the scenes. Yeah. So. That's amazing. So um, to kind of wrap it up, one of the things I always ask people on the podcast, the whole idea of boldly going being that there's so many people live their live their everyday life and they're um you know either they hate their job they hate the situation they're in they're broke and all those kinds of things or they've been told you can't do the thing that you love because you won't make any money at it or whatever and 
um, clearly you guys have even in the midst of not having any money you created a thing and that is now like it's in print and you've you've walked past some of that stuff um and I, I think people use a lot of excuses about, well, I can't go accomplish that dream or I can't chase that thing that I'm really passionate about because of this. Or, you know, in a marriage context, well, I can't have a great marriage because we hate each other or whatever. And you have to kind of find your way through that. A question I always ask people that are on is, do you think everyone has the capacity to boldly go and do whatever that is to overcome that? Obstacle that is, um, you know, keeping them from a better marriage or, uh, you know, doing the thing that they love. Um, I think, let me revert back to something real quick because you said something that sparked this thought in my mind. You know, we read, we read this book called uh, Becoming a Millionaire God's Way, mm-hmm. and it talked about, you know, if, if you're not able to go to buy magazines, you know, go to the bookstore, go to the library and read the magazines that you're interested in. So mm-hmm. you're talking about finding excuses or, yeah. or just thinking that you can't do something. There's always, there's, there's something you can always do. You know, if you can't, if you don't have the ability to catch the bus or get in the car to drive to the bookstore, um, you know, watch TV possibly, the, 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 you know, the entrepreneur shows on the news, you know. Right. Uh, if you can't, if you don't have cable, you can't watch those shows, then walk to the library. You know, there's always a way, there's always a will to do something yeah. uh, and not blame the system and or your circumstances, situations. And I think what hit home for us when we read this book, because, we, you know, you hear a lot of pastors and people talking about how they made this money and, you know, they don't necessarily tell you how they made it. They just say you trust God. And then, you know, but they don't say money's just going to fly off from the sky and drop right. from the sky and you're going to get your mortgage, you know, your mortgage, you know, just have faith and believe right. your mortgage is going to be paid. No, but you got to, you got to go get a job and you got to, you got to right. do certain things. You have to make certain steps to get your mortgage paid. Right. So I think the point I'm making is, is that, you know, there's always a way. And I think people do have the capacity. We just have to have the ability to see from a different perspective, you know, yeah. outside the box that we're in. Right. Um, now, it may go deeper than that based on the neighborhood, your circumstance, situations. Sure. But if you desire more, you know, like a group has, uh, the, uh, every group has individuals, and in, the, in these groups of individuals, individuals make their, de- the, their decisions themselves. Yeah. You know, they're responsible for themselves. Right. Not the group. Right. Yeah. And I think, too, um, the scripture that comes to mind that says, God is unwilling to abandon a cheerful giver. So the reason that resonates with me to answer this question is because we were always givers, and when we didn't have money, we still wanted to give. Mm-hmm. And because we were willing to do that in any capacity that right. is, God made a way. So even if that meant us giving away a composition book as a right. Christmas gift, right. God provided a way because he's unwilling to abandon <clears throat> A cheerful giver. Well, if you are cheerful in all that you do and you want it, yeah. then he's not going to abandon you. There's always a way. Um, but are we sensitive to the opportunities that he places before us and yeah. not make the excuses of our circumstances? Our circumstances can either um, define us. Some people choose to have it define them. Yeah. Some people use those circumstances to do better. So you can take somebody who grows up poor 
and they say I'm poor because I grew up poor or you take somebody who's rich who grew up poor that says I'm rich because I grew up poor and I don't want to be poor yeah so your circumstances don't define you but you decide am I going to let it define me or am I going to let these circumstances position me right. to do what I want to do yeah it's your choice do you have the ability to yes but do you want to just like do you want this marriage to work Yes, then mm-hmm. somebody has to lay it down. Right. If you want more, you have to do more. Yeah. You have to lay down what you're doing and be willing right. to do something different. different. If you yeah. want something different, you have to do something different. Yeah, that's so true. That's such a great answer. Uh, yeah. You're right, because, I mean, yeah, you put it back in the context of your marriage, too. Same thing, I want a better marriage, but... You make are all you the excuses to, of why. Exactly. Yeah. Of why it's not working. You're to do what's required to have your marriage change, you know, if yeah. you want this marriage. When we, when we counsel, it's do you want this marriage? Yes. Um, do you love each other? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and is the word the final authority in your life? And that's, of course, if we're counseling Christian couples. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least do you want this marriage and do you love this marriage? I mean, that's the foundation of it. So if sure. you want this marriage and you love this marriage or you love the person that you're married to, then you have to do something different. You have to, to be, be willing to lay something down. Yes. Yeah. If you really don't like your circumstance, you have to do something to change it. Yeah. And. Yeah. It's a good point too. The loving is not the same thing as liking. Like, you may not, love that person. I mean, I like them right now. Right. 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 But I love them. Right. Right. And if you love them, then love never fails. Yeah. So if we believe the best. I mean, just think about it this way. Forget marriage, but yeah. if love has respect and regard for each other, so if we had respect and regard for each other, there would be no crime. Yeah. Because why would I steal from you if I have respect and regard for you as yeah. a human being? Right. Why, if I take from you, that means whatever you need it for your family, you now don't have. Right. Why would I hurt somebody? rape somebody, take away their virginity if I had love, care, and regard and respect for a human being. Yeah. If we just loved, we wouldn't, you know, that's why the Bible says love God, love people. If we love God, love people, we wouldn't have thou shalt not do this, do this. Yeah. <laughs> you true. know, if we just did right. those, that, just did that, we right. would, you know. So. Uh, that's such great, yeah. Great, great points. Uh, yeah. You guys are a great living example of of love. I mean, not that you're perfect, because I'm sure you don't know. Oh, no. Do so far from it. Um, yeah. Um, I got to gripe with the hold with my wife later on when we get off this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, been, baby. You've been holding on to something. I've been holding it all, all day. I left it all week. You always. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so, man, that's, that's so great. Thanks thanks for sharing all your stuff. And um, so I close it out to the people listening asking the question that what can you do you've heard a story you've heard a, a great couple their their story about their marriage what they've gone through finances how they put their priorities of God and all these things in place to balance life out um, if anyone had an excuse to not be in a marriage any longer it was probably you guys or to, to just call it quits and walk away it was probably you guys um, so you've heard a story so my question to you the listener is what can you do this week uh what can you do this month to boldly go, to start stepping towards, if you want a better marriage, what can you do? What's the one thing you can do to start that? 
And I think the problem is a lot of people, we, we get like you see, and you probably learned this from the marriage standpoint of like, I want a better marriage, but that's not going to happen tomorrow. There's one step that I got to take first. I got to put my pride down. I got to stop winning all the time or needing to win. So I got to start, start with that one step. What's the one thing I can do right now to get that ball moving in that direction? You guys are so much better than me. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, yeah. No, uh, this has been great. Thank you for the conversation. Thank Thanks you. for sharing well, thank your you story. For the and uh, to share uh, story. Yeah, I, I hope. Um, you know, again, to the listener, I mean, you've heard it. Whether you're whether you're spiritual, not spiritual, whatever the case is, I, there's a lot in what you said. You guys said about priorities and balance and love, and just whether you're whether you're a Christian or or not, love is a you know, love is something that everyone can do. It's a, it's a human thing as well, but loving people and walking in love and treating respectfully and all that kind of stuff is, so hopefully, uh, this has been, this has been a help for you. I'm sure it has been a help for me if no one else. Uh, I took a lot of notes. Um, so thanks guys. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank, Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for letting me hang out in your home for however many hours I've been here. <laughs> You're always welcome. Everybody's done.